Welcome to Meanwhile. I'm Michael Melcher. I'm an executive coach living in New York City and sometimes other places. I work at a firm called Nexa Partners. Coaching is a method to help people think more broadly and deeply and therefore do more of what they want in life. Coaching overlaps with ideas in leadership, career development, self-help, personality type, and even spirituality. This is a podcast about ways to improve your life and work, partly but not exclusively drawn from my coaching work. It's called Meanwhile because it is about how to make changes while you're busy doing and being everything else. And since my first in a forever client is myself, I also share a lot about how I experience things. So let's get started. This week on Meanwhile, the 10,000 hour rule. Welcome to Meanwhile. This is Michael Melcher. I had a realization recently, which is that in the coaching world, I have become the ancient mariner, the sage. This is a surprise to me because I was used to being the young kid on the block. When I started coaching, I was around 38. I went to a program called the Hudson Institute of California that trended a bit older. So most of my colleagues who were in their 40s, 50s, and 60s had had full careers already and were doing this as a second thing. I was in a bit of a different position. Flash forward 17 years later, and I'm still coaching. I've coached way longer than I've done anything else in my life, including school, law, business, and everything else I've tried here and there. And now people are shocked when they find out how long I have been doing it. I recently talked to this guy who had been a partner at one of the big three accounting firms, and he had also gone to the same place. And he said, when did you go through Hudson? I said, well, I finished in 2003. And he was utterly shocked by that. Uh, I guess he doesn't often meet people like me. It's kind of nice because I'm better known and I have a lot more confidence and my business flow is good. And underneath it all, I have a sense of what I'm doing. And the reason, more than anything else, that I know what I'm doing is that I've done it for a really long time. This brings us to this idea of the 10,000-hour rule. The 10,000-hour rule is something that I first heard about reading one of Malcolm Gladwell's books. And it basically talks about um, genius being more a question of hard work than anything else. Gladwell and others have said that if you look at people who are highly accomplished, who are considered born naturals or geniuses or super awesome at what they do, think Mozart, Michael Jordan, etc., that when you really look at what they do, they have just put in a lot of hours. And so if you look at people who are concert musicians in major cities who are considered virtuosos, the difference between them and, let's say, more like average professional musicians is simply that they have put in a lot more hours. They've gone way above the 10,000 hour rule. And I believe he said that a lot of other musicians are clocking in more at 3,000, 4,000. This is a really powerful idea because what it really says is that in the end, excellence comes more from effort and persistence than from natural talent. Uh, No matter how much natural talent you have, you still need to reflected in some kind of practice, and also that it probably takes longer than you think to become successful, which is a little bit transgressive because in our youth-oriented culture with our apps and 
instant gratification promises, the idea of putting 10,000 hours in anything is a bit off-putting. Why can't you just uh, write your business plan on the back of an envelope and then go get financing from a VC and become super famous when you're 26? And when I was young, I kind of fell into this because I was not just interested in success. I was interested in youthful success and the faster and younger, the better. The 10,000 hour idea overlaps with some ideas I've referred to before on mindset. This is a concept pioneered by Carol Dweck, who's a professor at Stanford, who talks about the difference between a growth mindset and a fixed mindset. A fixed mindset, you think that who you are is a reflection of your innate characteristics, and a growth mindset is that who you are changes depending on what you learn through persistence and your reflection upon both successes and failures. Neither is really provable, but a growth mindset will get you a lot farther than a fixed mindset because the problem with this fixed mindset is when things go bad, you also see them as reflections of yourself. Whereas if you can maintain a growth mindset, there is still another game to try. So let's say you decide to become an entrepreneur and you fail colossally in a fixed mindset that proves that you shouldn't have done that in the growth mindset, dust off your knees and try again and see what you've learned. In uh, both her writing and the research that Malcolm Gladwell refers to, they touch on some famous people you've heard of before, Mozart, Bill Gates, and so forth, and kind of analyze how beneath the story of their genius is actually this history of working really, really hard. So Mozart, for example was started in music when he was two or three years old by his father, who was also an established musician and conductor and composer, and just had a lot of instruction very early on, and over time became better and better and better. I think you could also apply this to people like Toni Morrison, or my favorite example, Nancy Pelosi. She's really good at her job, but one reason she's good at her job is that she's done it for a super long time. Now, 10,000 hours is actually a lot it is five years of the average work year of 2,000 hours a year, but it's really a lot more than that because anybody who's honest knows that when you're working, you're not really focusing hard every minute on something important. You might focus 10% of your time. You might focus 30% of your time, but you're not doing it the whole time. It is very difficult to maintain that kind of focus. So, Let's say you do half your time focused on a particular endeavor. That would take 10 years to get 10,000 hours. If you did a quarter time, which I think is still pretty ambitious, that's 500 hours a year, it would take you 20 years. So this is like real focus and attention and accomplishment. It's not bullshit. It's not phoning it in. It's not punching a clock. It's actually putting a lot of effort into something and just churning day after day, month after month, year after year. As I hear myself speak, I feel like, oh, this sounds like kind of a big chore that is forever lasting. Uh, but it's not really, because the 10,000-hour rule has some interesting implications that are kind of liberating uh, when you think about your career or your avocation, what you, what you choose to do, not necessarily what you do for a living. Implications, number one, no substitute for hard work and persistence. When I was in eighth grade, I took my little yearbook around to different teachers, um, hoping they would say interesting things. And my algebra teacher, whose opinion was very important to me because, you know, I felt it was a big deal to be taking algebra in eighth grade and I was the best student, yay. He wrote, 
hard work pays off. And I thought, Mr. Wilgus, can't you write something more fun than that? But I got to tell you, Mr. Wilgus was right. Hard work does pay off. So that's rule number two. It, it does pay off. It works over time. When I uh, talk to new coaches who you know, ask me for advice or might want to collaborate with me, I've learned to home in pretty quickly on how many hours of coaching they'd have act- they've actually done. Uh, because I've learned that it is far short of 10,000 hours. It's closer to 10 hours, let's say, or you know, 100 if they're lucky. The problem that most people in my profession have is that they just aren't doing enough coaching. They kind of think that if they get their training and go to a program, then they're ready to go. And they want to believe that all their life and work experience beforehand prepares them and is enough. And it's necessary to have a kind of solid professional background. It's helpful, but that's only half of it. On the other half, you just have to do the work. It's only through that that you learn the rhythm of an engagement and how to deal with challenging situations and how to manage yourself and like the whole array of things that you can offer. But if you are willing to put in the work and you just do it day after day, year after year, you get really good at it. The third implication is it says a lot about how we choose our careers. Um, And I think we often choose for the wrong things. So when I was younger, I was very ambitious, but my version of ambition was to keep all options open as much as possible. So it was very hard in my 20s to imagine doing anything for a very long period of time. I sort of thought in terms of two years. So maybe I'll join the Peace Corps or I'll join the Foreign Service, but for a short period of time. And then I need to go to graduate school for a few years. And then when I when became a lawyer, it's like, well, let me do this for a couple of years and then move to something else. And I think I both was afraid of choosing one thing. I had a certain belief that doing things I didn't necessarily like very much could be helpful, you know, learning some good skills. And I think I had this idea that it was too slow to just stay in one track, and therefore I should try to trampoline my way up to higher positions. And, you know, I know examples of people who just seem to bounce ever higher and never stay at something for very long. But I think they are the exception, not the rule. If I had known about the 10,000-hour rule when I was in my late 20s, and I thought about joining a law firm, the question wouldn't have been, which law firm do you want to do for two years? But, okay, invest 10 years in this career. How do you want to do it? And I think I might have made really different choices. Because the other thing is that if you are hardworking and reasonably intelligent you will and aren't totally unlucky, you'll probably be successful in most things, including things that are hard to be successful in, like I don't know, politics or even writing, things like that. So instead of trying to optimize for everything and keep every option open, think about if I were really trying to make progress into the many thousands of hours doing something rather than the few hundreds, what would I choose? And I think this tends to make you end up closer to your true passions than things you're just doing for safety or to get experience. So in review, the implications so far, one, there's no substitute for hard work and persistence. Two, work does pay off. Three, 
question how you're deciding to invest your time and is it really something you are willing to put a lot of time into? And fourth, where do you want to invest your time? And maybe where have you invested your time already? Because you might have achieved a pretty high level of skill in something that you're not counting as as a career or something that's important. So while I have done several thousand hours as a coach and I'm pretty advanced on that front, there's another area that I've invested thousands of hours. Uh, and for me, that's communication. So this is writing, public speaking, foreign languages, even I would say sense of humor and wordplay. I have been engaged in this since high school and it was very much a labor of love. And I think one reason I was able to just do this podcast is that I have the verbal facility to do this kind of thing. And it is stronger now in 2019 than it was 10 years ago or 20 years ago or 30 years ago. Um, I benefit from all the experiences that led into this. So that is the 10,000 hour rule. Let me give you some homework. Here's your homework assignment. Number one, think about your career or avocation. So either what you do for a living or what you like to focus time on because it makes your heart sing. Name this. Now, estimate how many hours you have spent in developing these skills. And and be honest. So if you have the kind of the job where you punch a clock and you're bored and you're not really doing all that much throughout the day, don't count that as eight hours a day being engaged in something. On the other hand, if you've spent two hours a day playing the piano for the last 20 years, I, I would count that. But really think about the hours you've invested in a particular pursuit. And ask yourself, all right, how how expert am I? How far along am I on the 10,000 hour rule? I'll give you an example of someone who is well into the thousands of hours of expertise. The Jamaican baby nurses who helped me out in the first several months of my twin son's life. Precious and her daughter Denise and their friend Ina. These women know how to take care of twin newborns and very small babies. They can dance circles around me or probably any other parent. And it's because they've done it a lot. Um, baby stuff is very labor intensive and you cannot phone it in. You're definitely on and focused. And the best example of this is how they swaddle. Swaddling, as you know, is when you kind of bind your child in this little blanket so that they sleep more securely and also don't like scratch themselves with their hands. Um, baby fingernails grow very, very quickly and they don't have control over their limbs for several weeks. These women impress me so much with their expertise. I give them the certificate of honor for 10,000 hours achievement. Okay, so that was number one, what you spent time in. Number two, think about other areas where you've invested time that you might not normally count. Maybe it's in sports. Maybe it's in childcare. Maybe it's in being a friend. Maybe it's in some kind of hobby. Maybe it's in some connection to nature. Maybe it's in some type of physical awareness. Maybe it's in spirituality. Whatever is part of you that you've really, when you're honest, developed to a very high degree. And number three, where do you want to invest time? What is something you would like to get really good at? It might be something you're already working on, or it might be something that you thought, gee, I'd like to play the ukulele, or 
maybe I'll do a triathlon one day, or I'd like to write a book, even though I've never written anything. And imagine that you are making strides towards 10,000 hours of work. How would you start? What would be your milestones? And in the event that you're 35 or 45 or 55 or 65 or 80 or whatever, avoid the temptation to think, but I'm too old, and instead think, well, let me assume I'm going to live to be 100. Given that, I have a reasonably long trajectory. So how could I make progress on this in month one, which starts today, or year one, which starts today? And think about starting the trajectory rather than worrying when you're going to bank our number 10,000. That's it for today. That is uh, my introduction into the 10,000-hour rule. I will say that I bought a ukulele of late, and I took one lesson, and I could play one song with three chords, and maybe I need to do this exercise for myself and imagine myself much farther along the 10,000-hour trajectory than the four or so hours I have probably had so far. Let me know what you think, and I will talk to you all later. For meanwhile, this is Michael Melcher. Have a great day.